This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the Internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Welcome to episode 64 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Ben Whitehair. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, managers, agents, uh, anyone involved in the entertainment industry, and bring those interviews to you. And on this episode, we have uh, part two of our interview with Emily Rose, um, who just is not only just the sweetest person on the face of the planet, but also gave us some really amazing practical information, things that you can start applying to your career right now. And um, you guys, if you guys have any questions about the uh, interview or you'd like to put in your, uh, your two cents or ask questions or anything like that, feel free to get in touch with us. And we have all the ways that you can do that at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. <laughs> So uh, you may have uh, been taken a bit by surprise there uh, during the intros. Um, we have a very special uh, sort of pinch hitter host <laughs> this week, uh, Mr. Ben White here. Hi, Ben. How's it going, AJ? Or should I say roommate? Roommate. Yes, we are roommate. I, I think I talked about this on the podcast a couple of episodes back, but yes, Ben and I are now roommates. For those of you who uh, have been listening to our podcast since the beginning, you will recognize Ben's voice from... Uh, episode 26 or 27, which is our Thrival Jobs episode, um, as well as uh, being uh, uh, infamous for leaving our very first uh, voicemail on the yes, podcast. Yes, indeed. <laughs> when I was in my car driving back from Colorado to Las, Ve- uh, to Los Angeles, and I recorded it on my BlackBerry. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I still remember you were asking about, oh, like the, the flip, right? Like how people go from doing just random work to actually like making it. Totally, yeah. Because, yeah, I remember I was living in, the, in my uncle's chimney. Exactly, like that was my favorite. Actually, yeah, I was living in my uncle's chimney and then like I was working on the Steven Spielberg film and it's like, wait a second, what happened in between there? Which uh, is something that I've continued to, uh, to study and talk about on my blog and I'm continually fascinated by. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up the blog because um, for those of you who don't know... Uh, Ben has uh, his own blog called uh, Playbills versus Paying Bills, um, which is very, very cool. It's th- actually three bloggers, one here in L.A., uh, and that's Ben, one in Chicago and one in New York, all talking about their experience in the entertainment industry. Um, and when we do our catch-up at the beginning of the episode, I thought it might be kind of cool to ask you what has been sort of uh, in the zeitgeist uh, or, or what have you been uh, you know, discussing on the on the blog as of late any yeah. interesting posts recently yeah well uh, joe von bokern who's the chicago uh blogger has also been featured he you guys answered one of his questions I yes, think, via yes voicemail and stuff and um maybe if joe i'm sure joe's listening you can call in and and say what uh what your thoughts are as well but basically it's interesting i was looking back over our recent posts and um two things struck my struck my eye one is so i've been writing about the last post i did was on actor websites and i'm about to launch part two of that post around how to actually go about making your website and how to do so hopefully inexpensively and and getting a nice professional actor website but that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg or that 
hopefully you can just do yourself and not have to pay anybody. Um, so doing that and you know marketing and all of that is always a, a topic of interest. But recently too, the other, the main things that we've kind of been talking about, and Aaron's done some really good posts on financial stuff and bartering and different ways to earn money as an actor, using your skills as an actor, um, and kind of actually some of the stuff that I talked about on the the podcast on the Thrival Jobs episode, but it's something that I think has been, um, and even just in my experiences with actors recently in the last few months, I think, um, I don't know if it's just the economy or whatever it is, but you know, finding that balance, and that was one of the, the impetuses of the blog and our title, Playbills vs. Paying Bills, where hopefully they're not in opposition eventually, but that they can be, you know, Paying your bills with your playbills, um, but having you know that that would balance, that, that were currency exactly exactly. Would, yeah, I would like to buy an iPad. I have three plays I've have, been in here. Here are the playbills. That would be that would be great. Oh, okay. But until that day, I think finding that balance as an actor of how do you find something that doesn't suck your soul, that pays your bills, that allows you the flexibility to be an actor, and I think that's a huge. Obviously, anybody listening to this has at least at some point struggled with figuring out the the best way to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something that's constantly on my mind personally. Uh, I've been uh, thinking about this a lot lately, and it's you know every time I sort of lay out the um, oh, what's the 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 sort of stipulations of what that job would look like, it's always like really like. I don't think this is possible to have like this job that's flexible enough to let you go out on auditions that pays you enough to pay the rent and you know has has health benefits or or whatever right. you know it's like right. uh, I don't know that that, that many of those uh, exist so you know I, I I've just been kind of hustling just you know making it work you know in any way that I can well and I I see that I mean I've been very fortunate i've talked about in the thrival episode i mean you know the this my day job this other company that i started is sort of at that point now where it has become kind of the perfect uh actor job but you know the the broader context there too is that you know it's something that we started six years ago and has you know we've put a ton of time into and i think the actors i know who find the best you know or continually finding the best situation with that is it takes time to build up your just like it does with acting, building up enough skills, even as, say, a waiter or something that you would, you know, then get to the perfect restaurant that utilizes your skills so you only have to be working, you know, two or three nights a week and making enough money to make ends meet and that they're cool with you jumping out, you know, if you have a, a rehearsal or something, you know, and I think that's part of the the trick is putting in putting in that time to to do that and getting, like you said, getting as specific as you possibly can. You know, that's something that, we talk about both in acting of like making your acting itself better, but in terms of what is the perfect job? Well, you have to get really, really specific so that the universe can help you. Like if my friend comes up to me tomorrow and is like, hey, I need a job, I can't particularly help them. I can say, well, okay, like here's some websites or post on Hollywood Happy Hour or whatever. But if someone says, hey, I need a job that's in the valley that's within 10 miles of X location that doesn't work on Saturdays that pays at least bucks eight bucks an hour that utilizes someone who has really good computer skills. The more specific you can get, then then I'm like, oh okay, like now I have something in my brain. So then when I see something that comes across, I can send it to them of like, hey, this actually fits the description. I was talking with Jen Page 
um, the other day about she's a, a for those of you who don't know her she's in LA she's a a director and she also does actor demo reels and headshots and pretty much everything she's just always hustling and doing really good work and you know her thing is like I she wants to direct romantic comedies that's really specific and now if an opportunity comes across my world that is looking for a director of romantic comedy I'm gonna send that to her but had you know during our conversation she just said well I like writing and directing and producing's cool and like you know. All of it, I'm not going to have any specific thing to center. And I think the same is true with jobs. Right. That's that's really interesting, applying that specificity. Because you and I have had this conversation about being specific uh, in the room. Like if you're going out on a commercial audition or, or any audition for that matter, just getting as specific as possible. It's interesting to think that you could apply that to, um, well, in this case, finding a job. Uh, but I guess it goes along with all the stuff that we talked about uh, on the podcast before about just putting out into the universe what it is that you want to get back. Well, and you know? I think exactly, and being as specific as you can, because like if you say, "Well, I want to be a successful actor," how like how do you do that tomorrow? Like, what can you do? But if you start to say, "Well, you know what? I want to be on a three camera sitcom that." playing this kind of I want to be playing a doctor on a three camera sitcom who has you know the more specific you get the more the universe can help you find that and I you know it's something that I struggle with too and as a as an actor of like what is the most specific thing you know if the question I ask is if you were going to be put on any set in the city or in the country tomorrow what would it be where would you most likely one, fit in as an actor, or two, want to go, you know? Okay, great. I'm a genie. Any set you want to be on tomorrow, I'm putting you there. You're going to be on the show. What's that show? That's probably the show that all of your marketing materials should be designed to market for. You darn sure better be sending stuff to that casting director and to those producers and writers because that's the most likely place that you're going to get the next step. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, homework, I guess, <laughs> for listeners. Yes. Huh? Uh, that sounds good. Now, you brought up uh, before the thing about um, uh, actor websites, and that's actually, I don't want to spend too much time on it because that's a topic that we've talked about on the podcast before. But what is, what is your take exactly? Because I have a very specific take, and I think our listeners know that, and I don't want to spill the beans before I hear what your take totally. is. Totally. Well, so the context, too, is I'm a, I've also done a lot of professional web design, and I've gotten paid... Um, to do random websites and all of that. And um, so that's any authority that I have is sort of coming from that place. Really, at the end of the day, your website is like any other thing that you do, is that there's an opportunity to brand yourself and to get the word out there. I think every actor has to have a website. That being said, your website doesn't have to be super crazy complicated. It can be one page that has your contact information, your headshots, and your demo reel. I th- those are, those are the most important things I think. Like as an actor, I want, you know, if I if I want to if a friend says, "Hey, I need somebody and AJ happens to fit that profile and they want to cast someone like that, I want to be able to send them a link that has his contact information, a picture so they see what he looks like and hopefully a, a really good demo reel." At the end of the day, that's really all you need and that can be one page. You can always add more. My website has a little more on it. It has my blog and um, an About Me page and stuff. And it's gotten me, my current manager I got because he saw my website and thought it was really funny. And I've booked jobs specifically because of my website, which is probably not super common. But one talks mentions the, the potential that a website has. And I think at the end of the day, too, it gives you a chance to show your personality. 
and that branding that you talk about, you guys talk about on the podcast of what your type is as an actor. People want to know when they're hiring an actor, one, that they're professional. And if you have a professional website, that helps tell people that you are. And they want to see your personality. It's why actor bio pages make me really angry because I put <laughs> like 99% of actor bio pages like, well, Billy's been acting since he was three and he fell in love with the stage and then he acted here and he was in this show and he really, really wants to be an actor a lot. I don't care. Like, no one cares about that. No one's going to read that. It doesn't tell me anything about you. Like, and we're actors. We're creative. Like, I don't know. Do some video that's talking about your personality. Or, like, um, one of our uh, friends who's in this class that AJ and I are in, she has a, a master's in physics. And stuff on her website talks about, you know, having a master's in physics and links to science stuff. Like, that tells me something about her as a person and as an actor that I wouldn't know otherwise. And so I think the more ways you can find to just show your personality and who you are, and your website gives you that chance. You know, you have total control over what you put on it. So that was maybe more information than you wanted to go into. But that's that's kind of my take on That's great. And it's sort of like a, it's kind of an amalgamation of all the things we've talked about. Like, you know, the one page thing is kind of my stance uh, because I don't, I just don't want actors to kind of, you know, spend a whole, and we were talking about this earlier today, spend a lot of time, you know, uh, stressing over and, 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 um, and tweaking the, the minute little things that they have control over. Like, you know their website, or um, you know what they're, you know what font to use on their resume and headshot. Like, uh, I I would much rather them spend uh, time, you know, working on themselves as an artist and as a creative person. So, absolutely, if you can kind of take that energy and infuse that into your website, then maybe yeah, maybe it does become more than one page. But at the same time, like I, I you know, there's so many more things to spend your time, money, and effort and creativity on than to you know uh, sweat over your over your website for hours on end or yeah, days and on I, end. You know, and it's one of the things too that I think you st- start, get something up. You should have a website. You should have your name.com, get it reserved so that somebody else doesn't have it and have a central place that everything can go back to so that there is a central place that you can send to people that you can control. And that's only going to get more important as we continue on with technology and everything. But start with one page or even if you don't have stuff, have your headshot and, a, and be able to download a PDF of your resume. Like start there you can always add more. You know, my website didn't start off the way it is now. It's been iterations and it's been something that I've worked on over years, really, at this point. Um, so you can always add on more. And I think the thing that mo- – the the biggest fault with most actor websites is kind of like you're saying is it's not simple. And you don't need – even just from a web design standpoint, I don't need a separate page for your reel and a separate page for your resume and a separate page – for links that you think are cool and separate pages for your favorite cookie recipe. Like I'm just, no one's just, no one's going to spend that much time. And if you even just put it all on one long page, that's going to be much more likely to be viewed by, by people and actually have them take the time. And then, and the last thing I'll say is when you're making a website or really any of your marketing materials, ask yourself the question, what is the goal? Like when people hire me to do a website, like that's what I ask it. Like, well, what's your goal as an actor? Probably it's that one, it helps people contact you and then it can have, you know, whatever marketing your reel and whatnot that you can show to people. Have your website focus on that. If you really want people to view your reel, that should probably be on the home page. If you really want people to sign up for this really cool email newsletter that you do every month, make sure that's featured prominently. If you spend a ton of time on Twitter and, you know, you're really good there, then have your website focus on that. You know, you get to control that. But to keep in mind what it, what the goal is and what, when someone comes to your website, what do you most want them to do? 
Right, right. No, it's all really great advice, and uh, and it's a good conversation. If you guys have anything you want to add to it, of course, feel free to uh, reach out to us um, or Ben. I'll I'll have him plug his uh, his stuff again at the end of the uh, at the end of the 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 cast today. Um, and you you brought up the uh, the class that we've been uh, in, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, this week because we, we you know Trev and I always spend time talking about like well what have you been up to what have you been up to um, this class that Ben and I have been taking uh, it uh, it takes place on the um, Third Street Promenade in for those of you who are in Los Angeles uh, over in Santa Monica is, is there a name for it other than just Howie Gold's class yeah not like, really because it's I mean it's sort of an invitation only it's not. It's not exactly um, a class or a workshop in the way that most people are familiar with them. Right. It's very interesting. It's a little bit different than the ones that I've been involved with before. I've only been to a couple, and I probably will only go uh, uh, to a couple for for the time being, um, just kind of like get the feel of it. Um, but basically, it, one of the things that's great about it is it is invite only, um, so you have a different caliber, I feel, of actor um, because it seems like everybody in there uh, either – is an amazing actor or at least knows what the hell they're doing, yeah. you know, and you don't have a lot of like, um, people who have their face shoved into their script or, um, aren't taking it seriously. Like everybody seems to be taking it seriously. You know, even if it's a comedy night, I'm just saying everybody seems yeah. to be taking the work seriously, which is a lot different than, uh, some of the other, uh, like casting director workshops and stuff I've been to in town. Um, and then, you know the people that that he brings in. It's not a casting director workshop in that he brings in uh, producers, writers, directors, um, the people who are very often the actual decision makers. And there have been a couple of people who from the class who've been cast in in projects uh, because of it. A lot of so, them, yeah. Well, and the other thing that I would add too, as well. I mean, and I I've been sort of outspoken on my blog and and around town around my personal view on casting director workshops as most people in LA know them. And the other thing to clarify too, is that, you know, the guests aren't getting paid. And I think as an actor, I mean, that's, if you guys, if you Google casting director workshops, you guys can look at the post that I wrote on it. If you want to know sort of more in depth, what my, um, what my thoughts are, but just as an actor thinking about, and like, it's what you guys have talked about. It's just being conscious of where your money's going. Um, and, and I, and to, to the point that you made too, about the types of guests that come into the class, it was a revelation to me when I got out here and I was at the Actors Network and they were talking about like marketing to directors, writers, producers. And I was like, oh my God, duh. Like, of course those would be people you want to make relationships with because casting directors are absolutely important and in a lot of ways will be your door in as an actor. But they almost never have the final say in who gets cast. Producers do, writers, directors. It depends on kind of TV versus film and all of that and the way they break it down, showrunners. But having in mind as an actor like even just having the idea of like yeah if i meet a director or a writer or producer those are the types of people who ultimately are going to make the decisions and ultimately when you when i track the careers of actors who have their own shows or series regulars a lot of times they were involved with the project as an idea they were working with the producer or the showrunner or whomever to create the show and then get the pilot made and whatever, and that you know they're they're working on that at the outset, and it's not going through the traditional casting process. So that would be something that I realized that I always try to tell actors too is that you know broadening the scope of who you're marketing to. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and uh, it, it's been it's been uh, interesting. Like I said, I've only been to a few, um, and uh, 
you know, these people are, I, I mean, you know, one night we had somebody who didn't say anything at all. He just kind of sat there and watched the scenes go by. Uh, and then another night we had a guy who was very involved and he was getting up on, on stage with us and kind of like directing and tweaking us and stuff like that. And, you know, I guess just like with a casting director workshop, it might be something that's really helpful and it might be something where they're, you know, they're, they are just there to collect a paycheck. But with, in this case, they aren't getting paid. And that, that is such, that makes such a huge difference, at least in my mind, that it's like, okay, you're actually here for something else. Even if it's not to cast somebody out of this workshop, you're not here to collect a paycheck and bounce um yeah um so it's um it's been uh it's been an interesting experience for sure yeah and yeah. the the lesson that i would say from that too is just you know it's getting it's the idea of just you know how getting your work out in front of people um, yeah and, absolutely you know, or, and, and the practice that comes along with that yeah, too exactly. it's not just it's not just you uh you know putting your work out there to these to these people in the room but also uh, you know what you learn from doing that. You yeah. Know, and you what you take Absolutely. away from that because there's been a couple of things, uh, you know that I have taken away from the class so far that I'm like, man, I, I can't wait for my next audition. Like I want to go take yeah. what I've learned right now and, and apply it. Um, which is also some of the stuff that you're gonna hear from from Emily in, in in the next couple of parts of her her interview as well. So all good stuff. Uh, speaking of which. Let's just jump right into this. Um, so this is part two of our, our interview with um, actress uh, Emily Rose. Um, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as you enjoyed uh, part one. I've found that it works great to have a manager and an agent because the agent has a lot more people and the manager is just focused on you and maybe mm-hmm. 10 other people they're really putting their eggs in a smaller amount of baskets mm-hmm. um so you know they're very personal they know everything that's going on in your life for the most part they are making calls to you you're calling them they're calling other people they're thinking about your career in the long term mm-hmm. and uh the agency is you know busy hustling a lot of people but they have to, you know, answer to the manager. So for me, it's worked best to have both. But I haven't ever been in a situation where I've just had one. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful at all. But. No, definitely, and it's actually um, very similar to what happened to me in the last uh, couple of years, where I was in a play. Manager saw me; she was interested. Ended up signing with her, and then. Um, and then uh, eventually she got me seen by uh, these other agency, com- both commercial and, and mm-hmm. theatrical. So mm-hmm. um, that's a, it's one route. Yes. You know? um, I don't know if it's the uh, end all be all, but. Well, and it also, you know, <clears throat> depends on the manager. I'm very aware that there are two other managers that I think in hindsight, if I would have gone with, I don't know if it would have worked out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really like. If you do think of yourself as a business, which you are, it's who do you want to be in business with? Who do you want your yeah. business partners to be? Who do you who do you trust? Like who are you hiring? Like Connie's great. She used to she went to school, she went to law school. So in terms of contracts and things like that, even though she's not the one negotiating the contract, she knows things from like a lawyer perspective. She's also done production. She's also, you know, I looked at her client list and she represents um uh, she represents John Hamm for Mad Men. She represents a lot of really great heavy hitters that are mm-hmm. doing well, that are versatile, they're doing a lot of stuff. So that's like, oh, I would be dumb not to sign with you, you know? Um, 
I don't think anybody should just rush out and get any manager because I had some cocky meetings of people that were just like, yeah. you need to read this, you need to read this, you're lucky you're even sitting in my office. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want that to be in my life. I don't want to have to feel like I have to prove myself to you all the time. That's just not a good yeah. thing. So I'd encourage people if they come out, if they find somebody they really click with and they feel like this person's passionate about them. I also had two young guys that were like, we're going to start a management company. We've been working at an agency. And I went to their like little guest house and looked at their office and saw the people they had. And I, I could have been risky with them, but I was like, I think I need to go somebody that's safer, you know? Yeah. So you got to really be making those decisions wisely and not impulsively and ask the people around you because this these de- these decisions do affect future ones because you are i think i mean i've seen you work with when we went up to um davis with the ensemble once uh, i got a chance to watch you work with um kids and and i i believe that you have a, a gift for teaching if not just them but just in in general so i really um i really think that you know at some point you may even you know be doing that um mm-hmm. as well as working um, consistently, um, because of that, I, I did want to take the opportunity to kind of tap into that and maybe talk a little bit about you in the room and Mm. maybe just like get a little bit of sort of, um, more pragmatic advice for, um, our listeners in terms of like how you, um, once you get the opportunity to, to go out on a, on an audition, um, you know, what kind of things that you, you do to prepare, um, and w- how you feel, what what it is that you bring into the room, mm-hmm. and you know, um, one of the sayings that we have on the podcast is "book the office, not the role." Totally. And I feel like you well, book the role if you can. But <laughs> book yeah. the role if you can. <clears throat> yeah, not not book not book the office in spite of the role. Yeah, that's not the saying. That's not the saying. That's not. Listen, the saying. I don't want this part. Uh, I just want the office. Okay, that's here's all I'm asking here's for. Here's some cookies. I'm not going to be reading today. <laughs> but it was nice meeting you all. I'll see you later. Um, no, but it's totally true. And I think that you, you know, uh, you are a, a great example of that because, I mean, how many times have you been called in by and booked with, like, John Levy's mm-hmm. office? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, your, your, your stint on uh, ER notwithstanding. Like, you've gone in for guest star yeah. and, and recurring on multiple shows that that office right. um, casts. Right. So, in a sense, like you've booked one of the biggest offices in town, you know, uh, yeah. before, you know, you're. Thanks you're... for that reminder. I should uh, cash in on that <laughs> while I'm sitting here at home right now. Hmm. Are you serious? There, John. Give me a break. Give me a break. Um, you know, so this is even before you, um, you your, your series lead role on Haven. So mm-hmm. what, I mean, I'm not sitting here going like, what is the secret? Because I know that you are a seriously hard worker right so um talk a little bit about your audition technique like what do you what do you do to prepare what do you bring into the room with you like Mm -hmm. um do you feel like there are certain things that you do every time that you get an audition the first thing i do immediately is i begin to panic i begin to freak out (laughs) okay Uh, panic check i get excited that i i get excited that the audition is in my mailbox and then i begin the procrastination process uh (laughs) I like I like to believe that that's 
like a like a creativity crockpot where it's just simmering there. I'm just sitting there putting it off. <laughs> creativity <laughs> crockpot. I love it. That's we're, brilliant. Um, we're totally stealing that. <laughs> I just, you know, I've I used to get mad at myself. I have a saying on my bedroom wall that said like I've always wanted to pro- be a procrastinator. I've just never gotten around to it. Um <laughs> I've always used to beat myself up about that, but then I just started realizing it's part of my process and it has to be okay that I'm just sort of afraid of the material for a little bit. That's okay. I either need to get over it later, but for now it works for me. So initially I'm a little scared of it. Uh, Then I start to read it and I read the actual uh, sides. Then I read the script um, as much as I can, not all of it. Depending on the audition, if it's one that I think like, that I can pretty much get a get a good grip on, then I won't necessarily schedule to work with somebody on it or to coach me on it. But initially, when I first started out, when my auditions were like 7, 10, 20 pages or whatever, I would call Gordon up immediately. And I'd say, Gordon, hey, you know, do you have any time that I could coach with you? Um, can I meet with you? And we used to just exchange. I would work on his website for his acting class, and he would help me with auditions. Um, and it was a great relationship. Plus, I got to see him regularly, and he's a dear friend of mine. So it worked out great. Um, and I learned a lot from working with Gordon. I learned a lot getting that one-on-one coaching time. Um, but my process now, it used to be like, and I do like a half-hour warm-up before my audition. And now that's not so much. Like, I'm warming up in different ways. I try to make sure that I'm not nasal up in my nose. I try to make sure I'm a little bit more resonant. <laughs> um, but I'm still myself. Um what I do is I read the script and then I start to really kind of go over the script. And I've been taking some classes now at Margie Haber Studios, which has been really helpful too as sort of like a brush up. I look for things like environment right off the bat. What's the environment that I'm in? It's such an easy one, but I think we forget it and we think the audition begins and we just say our first line. And I think we need to create that moment before we even speak. Um, not taking like a ton of time, but really get that's a that's the line before the line that's the moment the the breath of life you are this person living this life is what margie says so what is that moment even in the audition room prior like if i'm beginning to feel really really nervous i automatically look in the script and see how my character's nervous and i'm like okay if i'm feeling this way maybe my character is really nervous to talk to somebody like i'm coaching somebody this afternoon after the interview my really good friend she's coming in and her audition is this nervous mom that wants to give up her daughter for adoption and she's really excited and she's meeting this parent that she really wants the way her nervousness about this audition can feed into it is allowing herself to be that nervous in the room because that's how that character is feeling like inevitably if i'm feeling it the character is feeling it in some way shape or form i guarantee it it's not necessarily that they're nervous, but maybe it's that they're hurried to get out the door. Maybe it's that they're just really, you know, frustrated. Or maybe it's that I'm feeling this way, but I really need to calm myself down before I talk to you. You know, it's, I can use that nervousness. I don't need to fight it and say, go away. I say, okay, fine, you're a gift. I'm going to use you. If you're going to be here, I'm going to use you. So I start looking at the script and I, you know, initially would try to start memorizing it a lot of people go back and forth do you memorize the sides do you not i think whichever way allows you to be the most present if memorizing the lines is going to psych you out because if you drop it you're screwed 
then do not memorize the lines. It's okay. You have the script in your hand. Just use that moment as you're reading it off the page. And as Margie says, like who I'm training with now, she would say, you know, use that moment and then just send it back to the other person as you pick up the line and deliver it to the next person, you know. Um, don't don't be so tied into it. But if But if you're a good memorizer and you're fine and you're off book, just have that page in your hand and use it as you can, but go for it, you know. So... I'm getting off track of what I do, but in ash, in ash, initially I end up either recording the lines on my phone or on my computer and either with someone reading across from me, I usually tape myself, which is kind of weird. A lot of people might not like to put them themselves on tape, but I read across from somebody and I tape the audition and I look at it afterwards because I'm a very visual person and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do look like I have no energy today. What is the deal? And then I know that information before I go in the room. Uh, I go, oh, okay, it's easier, it's better to play on this side than play on this side. Or, oh, I can put that person here. I can put that other person that I'm talking with here. Or if I'm in a courtroom, I can put the jury to my left and to my right. And then the one jury who I'm reading across from, I'm going to narrow in on her. You know, I just begin to spatially create my environment. And I started when I began thinking, you know what? This isn't like a, an opportunity. I have a, I have a show that I've sold tickets to. They've been for free. At 2 o'clock, my audition at the Warner Brothers lot in John Levy's office. My show starts at 2. Uh, it's about five minutes long. And I have a small black box, not really, you know, office theater. And uh, they're going to be seeing what I'm going to do today. And I'm going to go in there like I do before I go up on stage. And this is what I'm doing. And if they want to interact with me and change some things up, that's awesome. But I'm not going to get bent out of shape like they owe me anything or they should hear me or this was wrong this is what i've prepared this is my scene that i have prepared to do and i'm going to go in and do it um it's my little show time and at the end of the day i'm you know gordon always says plan something really fun afterwards so you're more excited about going to that thing than you are about your audition <laughs> i love that and that <clears throat> has oh, been man. like when big auditions i always do that i always plan to either go to disneyland with my husband or i go and plan a movie that i have never seen or i plan to just go shopping afterwards for a little bit or go see a friend i haven't seen in a long time because i don't want that audition to be the deal breaker for my day it's like, that is, that's just part of my job. Auditioning is part of my job. I've just gone and done my job. And it's not about if I get it or if I don't get it. Yes, I need to, you know, have the office be a fan. Like, I consider that audition a success if I feel like that office has become a fan of my work, regardless of if I get a hired or not. You know, I usually end up calling my managers afterwards and I'm like, I think I made a fan. I think they like me. Not exactly sure if I'm going to get it, but I think I made a fan. I do get really bummed out if I feel like they didn't really get to know me and I didn't make a fan. <laughs> that does bum me out. But um, So I think other practical tips for the audition day, which I've learned a lot um, recently and also from watching auditions, was eye-opening to me when I saw this. I really take ownership of the room. I'm not going to like go sit in their desk or anything. But if there's a chair provided, I move that chair where I want it to be. I take ownership of the space confidence and coming into that room just confident is so attractive to them you know not too cocky but coming in and being hey how are you guys doing you've seen a lot of people today that's very great yeah you know oh my gosh i just you know making that casual conversation if they don't seem like they want to make that conversation it's just you know i usually am down on my script and i'm like okay cool whenever i'm ready you know whenever you're ready just let me know and i usually always say before my audition 
um, they usually say, do you have any questions about the material? And I say, nope, I don't really, if, if I do have questions, I ask it. But I say, okay, I just would ask that if I'm on a, uh, the wrong track in an area or if you think that you want to see a little bit more out of a certain beat or anything like that, just let me know afterwards because I love to play and I love to switch things up. Mm-hmm. That conveys to them that I am not cocky or locked into my performance, that I'm directable, that I want to be directed. And it also gives me a second chance to do that in the room. It's not asking for one even though I have done that before. But it's not asking for one. It's it's just creating that space for you to get a second chance at it. Yeah. And so I'll usually do one and I'll be, after I'm done, you know, I'll put the, I'll have my beginning moment and I'll go through the scene and be really listening and looking at the person and doing the scene. And then at the end, always putting a finishing moment on it, not ending when they just end it, you know, putting your end on it so that you feel like you've really closed up the scene. And then you go, cool, that was fun. Is there anything you want to change? Was there anything that, you know, no? Great. Okay, cool. Let's go to the next one. All right. So I saw this as kind of like this way, so I'm just going to move this here. Is that okay? Okay, cool. And even like Brisha, who I'm um, interviewing, or not interviewing, um, working with this afternoon, she's like, I tried to do that chair trick where I used the chair <laughs> in the room, and they told me they just thought that it drained my energy, or it drained it would drain my energy. And I said, I have some people tell me that, but I, in that situation, if that's what you've worked on and you're convinced that that's going to be a great scene because you can use the chair and use your space and create that more, just be like... Oh, okay. Well, is it okay if I just try? I'm just going to go ahead and try it with the chair anyway. And then if you think that I need to pick up my energy, we'll just do that afterwards. Do do what you've planned. Be confident <clears throat> about your work. I think if you're like, oh, uh, then they pick up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so glad that you just said that because little little secret between us and the internet right now. <laughs> um, the biggest, the, the thing that terrifies me the most and that I hate the most about auditioning is not knowing whether I'm going to be expected to sit or stand. It oh. messes me up so much. Yeah. And so I and I never I've never known how to conquer it. And it's something so simple that you just yeah. said, just go in and own the space. And if you want to stand and stand. Totally. I and love that. I use that I, love I that. use that chair for <laughs> everything. Everything. Because it's one of the only things I have. That in the paper and sometimes a pen. Mm-hmm. These are the things, the gifts that we have in a scene. We have the script, but I use it for, you know, office papers if I'm doing an office audition. I use it if I'm in court or whatever, if I'm a cop and I've come into the room and I need to refer to a file, I use that paper, go back to it. I take my, you know, pencil, maybe I put it in my hair behind my ear, and I'm just, you know, if I'm talking to somebody and I'm totally using it for the scene, um, I lean on the back of the chair if I'm talking to a kid or whatever, lean over the back of the chair. I straddle the chair. I pull the chair if I'm trying to change spaces. It is my space. It's my stage. It's all I have. Mm -hmm. And the confidence and the groundedness that comes from that versus just standing on a mark where you don't have your environment around you is just robbing you because you don't feel like you're really in the scene because you're not. So create that scene around you. And that to me has been the best sort of thing and if if they're like you know what we really just need you to stand up for it then inevitably i'll pull it to the side and lean against it or do something but Mm -hmm. it's all about you feeling comfortable because the more comfortable you feel the better you're gonna do and even if you don't get that part and they see gosh no that that, he was a strong actor he really like knew what he was doing he made some bold choices and i could see him in dot 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 you know then then it's a success Mm -hmm. so um 
I usually run the audition with somebody here at home and I run it if it's one that I really I run it as much as I can and inevitably if I don't get a chance to run it I, it's not going to be a good thing <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's and you, part and of you tape process. it and you watch yourself yeah and I, I've been cautioned against that by several <laughs> professors and things like yeah. that but I think that sounds really useful for you to, I mean, because when you said, now I have that information. Totally. Now I know that I looked this way, right? Or that your shirt didn't work, or that it cut you off at the neck, or that you're feel like it's not like looking like you think it'll look, you know? It's, it's, you're in a television and film medium. Why wouldn't you see how you look on camera? I just don't understand that. That's great. It takes a lot of courage and balls, I think, to be able to confront yeah. oh my god this is what I look like when I'm acting on camera in an audition room you know that's not easy for a lot of people I yeah, think. yeah but, but if you get that part it's going it. to be on for millions and millions of people and if you don't know what you look like or what because there are so many times I can tell you that I've literally thought and that's why people argue in acting class well I thought I was doing this no I was doing that I was well I'm it wasn't coming off like that right. it, you weren't communicating that so you need to figure out another way to get into that place and if the road you're taking isn't working then and take another one you which is also a, an argument for the the coaching that you got you mm-hmm. know having somebody having a, a, a another set of eyes totally. and ears and and somebody with a um who you think has a little bit more experience or a totally. lot more experience than you do who's there to kind of uh you know say like you know i get what you're trying to do it's not coming across right in, in this moment or this beat or whatever right that's mm-hmm. great that's right. really great. And granted, I don't want to tell everybody to put themselves on camera because maybe some people will just like make it too big or mug too big or whatever. Right. But I think you just have to have a really discerning eye. Would I, when I watch this performance, am I drawn into the performance? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and don't get locked into anything because they might change it up or you might have a reader that's reading it completely opposite from how you read. That's why listening to how they're doing or if they're reading it totally monotone the whole time and that is making you laugh and driving you nuts at the same time, <laughs> that in your audition, you don't just act like that's not happening. You kind of take that person in and kind of laugh about it and keep going. That's an endearing quality <laughs> right. about them. And, oh, that kind of spices the scene up a little bit. Okay, you're monotone, man. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> Take it in. And that yeah. becomes new information that makes it monotone. fresh and exciting. That's, that's awesome. great. I love what you said about the moment before, and I don't mean, I love what you said about taking the breath and all that stuff as well. That was really great. But also what you said about what you say to the auditors, like, mm. uh, because one of the things, I don't know, I don't know if I got this from one of our guests, Trev, or what, but one of the things that I've been doing in auditions recently is saying, um, you know, do you have any questions? And I go, uh, not at the moment. I'm just going to, um, you know, sort of show you what I've prepared and then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love what the sort of things that you added about, like, if you want to play or whatever, cause how you said it does show that you're directable because the reactions that I've gotten in saying that have been so great. Like you look like the auditors will look at me like, Oh my goodness, here's like an actor who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like they'll kind of take you and like, okay. All yeah. right, yeah, let's see what you prepared. That that's great. You know, it saves them time, it's quick, you know, you do the thing and then they know that they that that you're willing to sort of take um whatever notes they have afterwards. You know? I also think that when you're auditioning, you also need to be aware that a large part of your audition is whether or not these people would feel comfortable with you being on set for long periods of time mm. with them. Right. Yeah. And so to me, talking before your audition gives them a peek at your personality and like you know I wouldn't suggest you do this Albert because they might think that you're weird but when I'm like I just like to tweak stuff I just like to be a little tweaker you know or whatever and they <laughs> laugh at that and I'm doing a fun a serious scene and then I drop into this serious place yeah. they're aware that that's 
not I'm not sucked into this methody serious place that when I'm on set I'm going to just be this heavy un you know person that they can't deal with mm-hmm. that I'm somebody they're like this person's fun. I like to hang out with her, you know, especially when you're auditioned for a series situation because it can come down to who they just want to spend more time with because when you are on a small location all the way across the other side of the continent, it's important that they feel like they could get along with you for seasons and seasons at a time. Not just about your work, but if you're enjoyable, if they could go to dinners with you, if they could have business meetings with you, if they could be on the phone with you, all these things, you know, they're auditioning when you audition for that caliber of a role. Mm. Yeah, we had a guest on the podcast a while ago, James Leo Ryan, who mm. who um, used to get p- picked up for a lot of co-stars as like the, uh, the drug dealer or the abusive boyfriend. He right. just kind of has this mean look, but he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. And he said that he found it was really effective if he would walk in in character mm. and then do the read and just like kill it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it was over, cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. This was really fun. Uh, anything totally. else you want to see and be totally friendly? Because then they were like, oh my, oh my God. Like I thought right. you were that. I thought you were that dude. Totally. And now you're like this great guy, and that totally. it almost kind of like it kind of punches home that totally that you're an actor and that you are. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that's that's probably just as important as the actual work that you do. Oh. Are you? pleasant to work with yes completely because that's it's part of booking the office you know if they're like oh my gosh we want to see that person in again for this or even if you're friendly to the to the office staff or hey it's so good to be back again i always say that gosh it's so good to see you thank you so much for bringing me back in this is great Mm -hmm. you know how have you been since the last time i saw you oh that's great that worked out you know i just been going on these big feature film auditions which talk about scary because these are like you know heavy hitters and i just feel like i'm a like you know it's funny how at every level it's like first you like want to get in the industry to where you're actually working and you're getting a co-star and then you want to get a guest star and then if you you know get a series lead on a pilot then you just pray the pilot gets picked up and then if the pilot gets picked up you pray that your show will stay on the air and then from there it's always like well can I do film and so it's like at every stage there's always something that you know it's so important to be thankful for where you are that you're even starting like, oh, I'm thankful I live in L.A. and that I have great friends that understand theater and I can talk about this stuff with where I'm at, you know. But I was going in on these film auditions and it's like these big heavy level films and this office brought me in and at the film level, TV moves really fast. They're going to cast that week. You're going to hear something really soon. They are going to, you've got your audition, you hear back and you're probably going to work soon because it's just going, going, going film is a much longer process and um you know i've had self-tape auditions where i self-taped and they bring me in for another role and then they decide they like me a lot so they bring me back in for the role that i self-taped and then they decide they want to call back for that role and you know i've found that really great casting offices really work with you like they want they uh, like i've had a couple auditions where i've gone down in santa monica in this particular casting office they've done the scene with me each three or four times and that's such a gift, you know, it's such a gift to be able to do it again. And, uh, but it's about that, you know, them liking you. They wouldn't bring you back if they didn't enjoy you being in the office, you know. All right, everyone, welcome back. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, um, a little bit more of uh, Emily Rose's uh, interview. Um, like I said, this 
is probably one of mine. I know Trev agrees with me. Uh, one of our favorite, absolute favorite interviews uh, to date. Um, we really got a lot out of it, and we're excited to have her back on the show later. She really wants the opportunity to kind of talk about what it's like to actually be on a set far from your house and uh, or far from your, your sort of home base and talk about what the emotional impact is of that. And also just the sort of practical things of, of being on set, you know, what she's learned so far and some of the things that you can apply um, uh, if and when you actually do book the job, which is uh, always uh, always the goal here, or at least book the office, right? Um, <clears throat> so we've got, uh, oh yeah, pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week is, a it, uh, people are probably going to hate me for, for this because I always do these picks of the week that are like, you know, tech technology based and like you have to have like an ipad or something in order to use it and all this stuff but you know what i really don't care and and i'm just i'm re <laughs> if you if you don't like it get your own podcast your, well here because here's the thing i i don't even own a playstation 3 my pick of the week is uncharted 3 uh and i know that people are like well that's of course that's your guest but like look <laughs> I bought the game at midnight the night it came out. I played through it in like five days. It is unbelievably good. It's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And if you're an actor, even if you're not a gamer, like if you're out there and you're like listening to this, you're like, well, I'm not a gamer. What am I going to get out of it? If you're an actor, just seeing what this game uh, is allowing the actors to do. And two of our guests are in it. Two. Uh, Emily Rose as well as TJ Ramini from the uh, New British School episode. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, they're both in it, and they both give like stellar performances in in this ana- character animated version of them. Ben was watching me play this um, because I, I not only did I go out at midnight and bought and and buy it uh, the night the night it came out, I went out and I borrowed somebody's PlayStation Three for a week just so I could play it. Um, so. Uh, I don't know, go rent it and borrow a friend's PlayStation 3. I don't care how you, you do this, but just play through at least some of this game because it is just absolutely incredible. The voice work is amazing. The acting is incredible. It's it's the best of the series of three games and maybe one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game, that I've ever played through. It, it just absolutely incredible and that's it has to be my pick of the week because that's what i spent most of my week doing <laughs> yes yes it is well and it was so cool ben to can watch vouch for this yes to watch and think about as an actor how do you give a performance in a video game and it's something that i have mo- tons of friends who've done it um and it's even you know even in actual movies it's going like that's a skill that more and more actors are going to need to have or want to have um and being able to use i mean it's a way to make all kinds of crazy money and if nothing else, have your voice out there to millions of people. Like it's yeah. really, it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah, and uh, and I don't want to give anything away, but stay tuned. Uh, we've got some even more guests along those lines coming up. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that without giving too much away, but uh, uh, yeah absolutely incredible guests uh in that sort of vein uh coming up stay tuned yes that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> what's your pick of the week ben save so, me my pick of the week i actually have two one of which i know trevor has picked before but i recently so the there's a book called the war of art by stephen pressfield that totally changed my life uh and i read it a number of months ago when i was feeling kind of blocked this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the money stuff and just kind of the general. We haven't, like on our blog, I feel like everybody's just been really busy and you kind of get 
you get into a habit sometimes of just getting in your own way and especially as an artist and like there's no there's no uh, real visible penalty for not doing anything for your acting career every day. There's just not. No one's going to come to your house and be like, hey, like you didn't show up to work today, but it is the same. Like what would happen if you didn't show up to your other job? Like people would notice, you know? So figuring out how to build your life in such a way that that remains true so that you're continuing to pursue the thing that you love and the war of art totally helped me do that. It's an amazing book. It's a quick read. Um, I just read, reread it again uh, the other night. So if you guys, not if you have a chance, make the chance, go pick up the book and, and read it. It's amazing. Second pick of the week, because I'm a technology nerd, is a program called SugarSync. S-U-G-A-R-S-Y-N-C. My company uses it. Basically, you install it on your computer, your iPad, your iPhone. They have apps for that. And basically, it just syncs files between computers. So for me, what's great is, one, like I have two different – like I have my laptop and then my normal computer. So one, when I have SugarSync set up, it keeps all of my files um, synced up automatically. So like if I save a document and then leave – then it's automatically on my laptop. Next time I pull up the internet, like that updated document is already there. Same with like we were in class and then I needed the script, then I was out and I and so I, then I just pulled it up on the SugarSync app on, on my iPad. So it's a really great way and it keeps everything backed up and then it also keeps everything in the cloud. So if you're not even around your own computer but you're out and you need to print something off, you can just go to the website, log in and then have access to all the documents that you have there. And I think right now you get five gigabytes of space free um, yeah, I was going to ask you what the cost was. So all the I, I haven't paid for it. Yeah, I mean the app. Yeah, the applications, all of it are totally free. There's a basically to upgrade to more space, you can pay a pretty reasonable amount of money to do that. I personally, you also get referral bonuses. Um, so if you refer other people and they install the program and use it, you get like an extra 500 megabytes of space. So. I've done that to a lot of people, so I have like 16 gigabytes of space now, so I haven't paid for it, but I'm pretty sure you get five gigabytes to start with, which is a pretty pretty good amount of space to store at least your basic most important yeah. files. So That's a lot of, yeah, it's five gigabytes is more than people realize, I feel like. Yeah, especially if it's, especially for like documents or scripts or, you know, and the things you care about the most that, you know, especially if you're not backing up your computer, which you should, but if you're not, it's a good way to at least have the most important stuff backed up. So those are my picks of the week. Beautiful. All right. Well, I think that does it for episode 64. We want to thank uh, our uh, guest host, Ben Whitehair. Um, I'm sure uh, Trev will be back uh, next next episode. He is like swamped with work, as am I. Um, it just works out that Ben and I now live together. So I, was, so I said, Trev, I'm going to record this episode with Ben. Uh, and he loved that idea. So um, And so did I and so did Ben. So I'm glad that uh, he was able to uh, to do that. Um, stay tuned uh, for more uh, amazing guests more from Emily Rose more from uh, some other awesome guests coming up in the next few episodes in the meantime please feel free to reach out to us of course you know our website insideactingpodcast.com um, and uh, Ben's stuff well I'm at twitter.com slash digital actor the, the, the podcast is at twitter.com slash inside acting Ben you're at twitter.com slash, slash Ben Whitehair BenWhitehair.com has links to all my different uh, Twitter, Facebook, everything else. Feel free to reach out, send me a message, uh, let me know how you heard me. And the, and the blog, blog well, yeah. yeah, it's playbillsverspayingbills.com or that abbreviated pvspb.com or you can get to it from my website, BenWhitehair.com as well. There you go. And we'll put a bunch of those links up on our website. Um, you can also find us on Facebook.com slash Inside Acting. Um, and you can go and leave reviews and 
<clears throat> five star ratings at uh, inside or at uh, just do a search for inside acting on actorrated.com and iTunes as well. And uh, of course, last but certainly not least, you can always leave us a voicemail. That's one two one three two actors. That's one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. Um, and if you visit our website over on the right hand side, you'll see a little donate button, um, and you can donate to the podcast in one lump sum, like you know. Two thousand, three thousand dollars, whatever you can uh, send our way, uh, or you can set sign up to subscribe to the podcast for three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. Um, it's all tax deducted. You can write it off in your taxes. It's all secure. It's done through PayPal, and uh, of course, it just helps uh, us make a better podcast basically um paying for uh, storage space and uh, bandwidth and equipment all this stuff is not free um and yet we still do it because we know how important it is to uh, have this community and we know how much uh you guys are learning as well as how much we are learning from it and uh that's about it so uh for episode 64 i'm aj meyer i'm ben whitehair we'll see you next time and in the meantime trevor come home (laughs) 